presented by Meriwether and Tharp begins right now. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Brief confession here off the top of the program. I obviously am a fan, do the show from the perspective of a fan for fans. So as a Georgia fan, there's a lot to like about Kirby Smart. Most of you would kind of agree the same thing, that it's very easy to be a fan of Smart, just given the level of success that Georgia is enjoying, after all, uh georgia is the reigning national champion and as one of our competitors said on video a little moment ago today's also march the 10th 310 happy as some were calling it third and 10 day in honor of the bryce young interception that turned into the keely ringo moment of history in the uh, most recent national championship game but that's that's just a little quick aside there for a moment the point is when when smart is doing as well as he's doing it's very easy to be a fan of him however sometimes as a media dude it gets a little frustrating from time to time and this is not specific only to smart a lot of coaches kind of come across this way where it's like they're sort of saying their thing and then you know how like politicians have a stump speech well coaches sometimes it sort of feels like they have a stump speech and it's very hard to get them off that message it's very hard to get them off the pre-programmed words and there's a lot of things that smart can say from time to time where listen you know, the average fan doesn't really care about this media person who wants an interesting quote. Sometimes you're, I don't know. It's like, oh gosh, here we go again. We've kind of heard this kind of thing before. This is just sort of the typical coach speak. Coach speak. This is Kirby Smart kind of getting back into his regular stump speech here. When are we going to get something interesting? There's a part of the media part of me that sometimes, you know, wants to hear a little more interesting stuff from Smart than we sometimes get a chance to hear. However, there are also reminders from time to time. That some of the stuff that Smart says that sounds pre-programmed, that sounds like the kind of thing that a coach is supposed to say, lo and behold, as it turns out, some of that kind of stuff actually really was true and really should have at the time been taken at face value. And the national championship and the performance of UGA players after that national championship only further provide evidence for that very fact. Let me go back in time here and give you a a little bit of an example. Now, a lot of times I try to give you context for when a statement was made. The honest truth is I don't remember when this was made. It's just a thing that Kirby Smart said, probably the kind of thing that Smart said a lot, but one in particular example of that, that as great as the Georgia defense was in 2021, it wasn't the kind of thing that was propelling a lot of celebrity star power. There wasn't one obvious superstar on that defense, even though the defense was clearly producing a lot of national award winners and on its way to winning a national championship. This wasn't a glitzy, glamorous defense. They were willing to embrace the idea of a team concept. Smart said that a lot last season. Let me just give you one example of that. This is Kirby. I don't ever think of the players as stars. I just, I mean, I don't see it that way. I just see it as a team without an ego and um, they, they buy in and you know, we, we've got good football players by all means. We've got good football players. We've got guys that are going to be draft picks. But, uh, you know, we don't have a guy that's – I don't feel like we've ever had that guy because even with Nick and Sony, they shared a lot of that spotlight. And um, I don't, you know, I, I don't get into the star part. I, I sell team values, and we do that through the offseason. And I feel like this group is really bought into that. They don't, they don't really want that. There's nobody out there that's saying, look at me, look at me. I need more attention. They 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 deflect it. I mean, they don't they don't they don't want to go do the media. They don't want to go do those things. They want to they they, they want to win. Is what they want to do, and that that's what matters. So as I said a moment ago, there is an element of Kirby Smart right there that is 
almost exactly what you would expect a coach to say. In fact, it's so perfect and so seemingly pre-programmed that it just kind of comes across as uh, that's probably not true. That that players, you know, they may say one thing in a team meeting, but privately they do want to chase individual glory. Privately, they do want to get the attention they think they deserve. Kirby may say this on their behalf, but if you could really talk to the players, you would hear them singing a different tune. You know, some of us can't help but be cynical. I try not to be cynical uh, because I don't think cynicism serves much of a purpose. But there is a temptation almost naturally to kind of veer in the direction of cynicism. And when you hear a guy like Kirby Smart saying things like that, I don't know, it, it invites a certain level of cynical response. But then lo and behold, you find out, hey, maybe that really was true. I mean, maybe the secret sauce for Georgia this year, especially in comparison to to its you know chief uh, arch nemesis right now, Alabama, maybe the willingness to buy into a team concept really was the difference in all of this. After all, if you followed us during the year, that was kind of always the argument for why we had hashtag JD to NYC. Remember when we did that? We were pushing Jordan Davis as a Heisman finalist, and it wasn't because Davis was the standout performer amongst that defense, including the best of them all. It was that Davis, as much as anybody else, seemingly gave voice to what Kirby Smart also talked about, which is, hey, I don't mind letting somebody else have stats. If I'm occupying blockers as a big nose guard, if I'm taking care of my business on that, then there is more stats to be had for N'Kobe Dean or or Nolan Smith or Trayvon Walker or anybody else that you kind of want to mention there that the team mentality that the Georgia defense did seemingly play with was one of the reasons we thought that Jordan Davis ought to get the nod for Heisman consideration because he seemed to be helping to usher that in. And yet there is still that thought of, well, is all of this really as true as as Kirby Smart's touting it to be? Well, I think as it turns out that maybe it exactly was. This is one of those things where I don't have a big point to make about this. This isn't one of those hot take type things. This is just kind of a cool story. And if you're a Georgia fan, sometimes there's room just to kind of hear a cool story. To hear that the team that you were rooting for turned out to be worthy of your cheers. The team that you were rooting for turned out to be worthy of the happiness that you expressed when they won the national championship. We're still kind of on the NFL combine here a bit. And one of the guys who hosted some of that TV coverage for the NFL network is Rich Eisen. Rich has also got his own radio show there as well. And Rich told what I think of as a truly amazing story about what he saw from some Georgia players at the NFL combine. Now, the entire story is like three minutes long. We've tried to cut it down to about a minute here. But I wanted to leave it a little longer than the typical uh, clip we might play because I just wanted you to have the full context of all of this. The Kirby Smart says, when I look at our defense, I don't see superstars. When I look at our defense, you know, I don't see any any desire for individual glory or any desire to put any player for him to put himself above the rest of the team. Well, guess what? Maybe Kirby Smart would want that to be true and speaks that way as a coach, but Rich Eisen doesn't have a dog in his fight. Rich Eisen, uh, NFL Network, you know, that's one of those guys that, you know, if there was a snarky take to be had, maybe he would gravitate towards that direction. But actually, when he, you know, total neutral observer here, objective, you know, analysis here, when he looked in on the Georgia players, the NFL scouting combine, he said he saw the same thing that Kirby Smart did. This is an amazing story from Eisen on his radio show this week. Take a listen to this. One of the things about this combine that um, that I think is lasting is the Georgia Bulldogs and how they looked. Unbelievable. Unreal performance. Um, and 
Wyatt and Davis, the law firm of Wyatt, well, I guess, what is it? Walker, Wyatt, and Davis, right? Pretty good. The defensive line group. So Wyatt and Davis work out in the defensive tackle group. When you're done with the on-field drills, sometimes you might have to go do your broad jumps and your vertical leaps. Sometimes, and, and then the team, and then the the group that comes next does the vertical leaps and vertical leaps and the broad jumps first then they do their on-field drills and they're done so the defensive tackles did their 40s on-field drills then did their broad jumps and vertical leaps and then once you're done with that you're out you go back to the hotel or the airport but Wyatt and Davis waited for Trayvon Walker waited for them sat there for well over an hour <laughs> waiting for Walker to finish because as Jordan Davis told Stacy Dales who was on the sideline there that the Georgia Bulldogs are nicknamed themselves the no name defense that one guy's not bigger that they're one big team they're one big family I mean how much do you love that I mean isn't that amazing from a guy like Rich Eisen who I mean, look, it's my job to hype Georgia for a living. It's not Rich Eisen's job to do that. I mean, Rich Eisen is talking to a national audience, many of which don't know who Jordan Davis or Trayvon Walker or Devontae Wyatt is. This is not an audience that's well-versed in those guys. Now, plugged-in NFL fans have learned more about them because of the Combine, but this isn't exactly red meat for Rich Eisen's national audience who's expecting to hear Aaron Rodgers' tray, or, you know, contract, you know, Russell Wilson trade, to go this deep on these Georgia dudes is more than the job required from Eisen in that moment. Clearly, he must truly believe what he's saying there. And it does echo so perfectly what Smart has said in the past. So for me, just kind of two simple takeaways from this. If you're a Georgia fan, I hope you didn't miss that during the season. If you're a Georgia fan, I hope that you were as plugged in to what was going on as what Kirby Smart was saying to you and now what Rich Eisen has said that he observed himself that that guys on this team were willing to do more than required because of how much they valued their other teammates Davis and Wyatt sitting around to watch Trayvon Walker train simply because they want to be there to support him that's a cool thing and as Eisen says it is uncommon for elite athletes on the verge of becoming millionaires who could go be doing a thousand other things right now they still see themselves as teammates, even though they played their last game on the same team together, at least presumably. That's a really cool thing, and it was cool all throughout the season, and I, I hope you saw that. I hope you noticed that. I hope you appreciated that as much as it deserved to be appreciated. And the second thing is this. I want to hear more about how to cultivate that going forward. I want to hear more about how to how to get that replicated in future UGA teams, including the one here in 2022. And for the times in the past when maybe I kind of gloss over, kind of my eyes roll in the back of my head, when Kirby Smart starts talking about some of these kinds of things that sort of sound like coach speak, I, I won't tune out on that anymore because pretty clearly that was a secret sauce in the recipe that led Georgia National Championship. As I've told you before, it is a sharp contrast between the, the team concept at Georgia and the sort of me-first attitude that seems to permeate a place like Alabama. And that doesn't guarantee that the 2022 results are going to be the same as the 2021, but it is a recipe that has worked for Georgia, and finding out more about how that same recipe with new players can work again, that is a conversation that I am very much interested in as we go through the rest of this offseason. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us here today. 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. However, you're uh, tuning in on video, we're glad to have you there on that. Of course, Radio Noon. Athens Sports Radio 960F podcast, wherever you find them, including the world famous dognation.com. We are just really happy to have you a part of what we are uh, doing today. And of course, big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. Listen, what we just heard was a cool story and a lot of fun to think about how special this collection of Georgia football players are. But in life, sometimes the conversations aren't quite so fun and the stories aren't quite so cool. Sometimes the stories are, are, are hard to tell and, and, and tough to listen to. And it's one of those things where if I could wave a magic wand and take that away, trust me, I would, but I can't. It is just a part of life. In this particular case, I'm talking divorce. It's one of those things that for some of you in an audience the size of ours, statistically speaking, just a number of you are either going through this now, have been through this before, will go through this at some point in time in the future, and there is just nothing I can do about that, and there may be nothing you can do about it. It may just be a fact. Well, here is the one level of comfort I can provide for you, is that as you go through this, if that's what's next for you, having a strong advocate on your side will make the process better and make the 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 resolution easier and set you up for more success in the next season of your life, which I always think is a really important thing. And when I talk about a strong advocate, I'm talking about somebody at Meriwether and Tharp, an attorney and a team of attorneys there that understand the law, understand how the law specifically impacts your situation, because there are so many different things that are impacted by the divorce process. Obviously, your finances, relationship with children, any number of things, and in some cases, maybe even things that I'm not even aware of that I don't even know enough to even tell you about, but the folks at Meriwether and Tharp, they do know that. So check them out online. It's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Now, the great thing about the website is, is that's the kind of thing that you can navigate at your own pace and search around on your own accord with and maybe kind of build up that confidence, build up that 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 assuredness that you are ready to then have the free initial consultation with one of their attorneys and then make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to let them handle your divorce process. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That website, one more time, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. Okay, so we're going to do Terrence Edwards here in a moment. We talked about Arik Gilbert on the show yesterday. Terrence and Arik obviously have a close relationship. I'm going to ask Terrence more about that here coming up in uh, just a bit. I'm very curious to hear what he has to say about that. Before that, though, I do want to squeeze in a brief version of Around the Doghouse here. And I want to do something we don't do a lot of from time to time, which is talk basketball. Just briefly here, just for a moment. Obviously, uh, Georgia lost last night in the SEC tournament. It was as bad as any game's been all you know this far this season. Where they scored 14 points in the first half. Obviously, it's been a disastrous season. And it's pretty clear that Georgia, whether it happens five minutes from now or five days from now, Georgia's moving on from Tom Crean as coach, and you're left to wonder who the next coach is going to be. With that in mind, as I told you earlier this week, Steve Forbes has signed a contract extension seemingly to remain at Wake Forest that would appear to take him off the table as a possible replacement for Crean. Same thing can now be said about Andy Enfield from USC, who has also signed a contract extension. I think of the reasonable names that Georgia could have gotten, Enfield to me would have felt like about the biggest splash. I don't know how real any of that ever could have been, but we've seen Georgia go to USC for coaches before, uh, even during the Josh Brooks era here. So it was at least a consideration maybe that infield 
you know, his name would come up here, but it, that seems to now be over now that that he's re-signed there at USC, and he's done really well with the Trojans last couple of seasons, having a very good year right now too. So would have been a pretty big hire, but apparently that's not what George is going to be able to make. So we are left to wonder who the next coach George is going to be, but I think there's another question besides that to be asked here. What is the current landscape for college basketball, and how does Georgia, no matter who its coach is, whether it was Crean or anybody else, how do you succeed in that landscape? And I'll admit to not being an expert on this. I'll admit to, I told you before, I don't really quite follow college basketball as closely as I as I used to. You know, I, I know about all the FBI stuff. I, I know about, you know, some of the whispers and allegations. Some of these are not quite so much allegations. Some of these are are audio recordings of coaches seemingly caught red-handed. And right now, that seems to be a little bit of a dark cloud hanging over the sport. Now, this is not my me excuse-making for why Georgia hasn't been winning because Georgia's too dignified to, to play that game. That's that's not what I'm saying here. I, I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic about if, if Georgia's trying to reboot its basketball program and enter into the fray of competing at the highest level, what does that really mean here in 2022? And let me give you a little bit of a, a different voice in this for a moment. There's a guy named Bruce Weber who's been basketball coach at what? Illinois and a bunch of different places. I guess he's finishing up his career at Kansas State. And the honest truth is I didn't know that until last night. But I saw Weber on TV. And a little backstory here. I've always thought that uh, uh, Weber's kind of a handsome guy, sort of like James Brolin a little bit, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a you know, sort of stately-looking guy. But last night, to see him on TV, his hair's kind of long. And I, I can promise you, before I knew anything about this, I kind of looked at Weber and said, wow, he's really changed a lot. Because in the past, you know, he looked like almost kind of like like the, you know, debonair sort of, you know, movie star. I don't want to say, I don't want to oversell this, but, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't know, just sort of a stately looking guy. As I said before, kind of looks like James Brolin or something like that. Uh, what's what's the older Brolin? Not is it James? The, the old the Brolin dad, not the not the, not the younger Brolin, but the the, the older Brolin. Oh, it's like just kind of look like that guy a little bit. And uh, last night, you know, someone on TV had this kind of like disheveled hair, kind of long. And lo and behold, the long hair was for a reason. So as I guess his career is coming to an end there, not just at Kansas State, but as a coach in general, he goes on this like six seven minute diatribe about what he's seen at Kansas State and what he himself is currently seeing about the sport and as Georgia gets ready to hire a new basketball coach presumably I think the current landscape of the sport has to be considered here this is a guy who knows it well this is Bruce Weber take a listen to this and we won titles and we did it the right way uh we did it with uh our guys graduating you know part of my hair thing guys I'm on the NCA ethics committee and on the meetings, I was told that they were going to take care of the people in the FBI stuff. So I told somebody, I'm going to grow my hair until something happens. Obviously, it's still growing. And that's the sad part of our business. Uh, Lon Kruger told me the other day, he goes, think about it, guys. All the guys in the FBI thing are in, except one, I think, are in the NCAA tournament. All those are teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Interesting to hear that from Weber right there in a conversation with Lon Kruger about the fact that thus far there's been very little punishment from the uh, FBI tarnished programs really at all. There's some stuff that came out about LSU here this week, but that drags on forever. And 
honestly, we don't know when there's going to be a resolution to that. Bruce Weber says, I'm growing out my hair until something happens, and it doesn't sound like he's expecting to cut his hair anytime soon, even as his career comes to an end. And there are examples of guys who seemingly have stepped away from the sport, and one of the rumors has been the dissatisfaction with the current nature of the sports caused them to step away. Heard some of that kind of stuff about Kruger, uh, John Beeline going to the NBA. You know, Some of the things that have happened here, even Coach K's retirement has had some rumblings and grumblings around this who knows what's true and who knows what's not but you know there has just been some of that connected to a lot of this and listen it's not my I'm not excuse making here I mean you know uh, I want to see Georgia basketball win I just want to know what what it means to compete at the highest level in college basketball right now and you know the one thing that Weber doesn't mention at least in that clip is the idea of name image likeness and how that's changing things but the impression that I get is for the people deeply entrenched in college basketball, somehow, some way, the name image likeness era doesn't seem to be changing all of this as maybe as much as maybe some people think that my, as I said before, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on, on that or in particular in college basketball right now, but Weber is far from the first to try to shine a spotlight on what's not right about the sport right now. So let's go back to the Schlebaugh thing at ESPN.com today, Mark Schlebaugh, who wrote about Hey, I don't know why it is that Georgia's not recruiting these Atlanta area kids. What you know? Why Georgia's not a uh, factor for these AAU kids? I mean, to me, an article like that, and I like Mark Schlebaugh a lot, but an article like that and the sources that were quoted, to me, ignores a pretty big elephant in the room in all of this discussion. And I don't know. I don't know what that means, but I do think as we talk about Georgia competing in men's basketball – we also have to have a realistic discussion about <laughs> what competing in men's basketball actually means right now. So uh, there's maybe more to be done on that in the uh, days to come. But for now, let's do on the uh, UGA football front here there too. So we'll get back to that. Great guest every time we have him on. He's the great former Georgia Bulldog. He's our Marlowe's Tavern insider. In fact, let's talk to him right now as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Got a lot I want to talk to Terrence Edwards about as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider update right now. But Terrence, before we get into anything else, I'm going to let you come in on this topic for a moment because I know you care about UGA basketball. You've been a part of the UGA basketball team. You like this sport. You like that program. And you certainly care about uh, everything related to UGA. So one way or another it kind of seems like the Tom Crean era is now set to come to an end that seems to be a poorly kept secret what do you want to see the future of Georgia basketball be I just want to see someone who can uh, keep this talent in state um, I just look at the Auburn team and man it, it's so many Georgia players on that team that uh why, why can't we keep that talent in state that's that's my thing find someone who can connect with these coaches on the AU circuit connect with these high school coaches and just get a connection with these kids. And Brandon, I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day, mm-hmm. but I was thinking outside the box, uh, you know, we, if we can't go and get one of these big name guys like Bruce Pearl, I thought outside the box, let's, let's go and try Sherman White. Yeah. Who I know very well at Pace Academy, who okay. I think is the best high school coach in the state of Georgia with like nine to 10 state championships. He has experience on the college level. He was an assistant coach at Georgia State with Ron Hunter. And he has experience with USA basketball. He's been the head coach, I think, for the 14 
uh, 14U. So he's well known outside the state of Georgia with some of these top players already, and his name will resonate with these local teams. So even if it's just for energy, he's a guy who I would push for. I know it's outside the box. I know it has. He doesn't have any college experience, but who said you have to have right. college experience to be successful at coaching basketball? He he managed teams well. He managed uh, coaches well, and that's what you have to be—a a great manager. He's an X and O's guy. He understands basketball, or USA basketball would not allow him to be a part of their program if he wasn't a great coach as it is. So I I, I texted him the other day, like Coach, I, it's. I'm going to put you out publicly about who I think we should go after. He's a guy who I think we should go after. Penny is doing a great job at Memphis, and I think uh, Sherman White would be a, a great choice if uh, he gets the opportunity. Well, and you mentioned the Penny Hardaway thing. That was kind of the first thing that came to my mind, too, there as well. As you do see programs now seemingly more willing to be a little more experimental with their basketball coaching higher because access to talent clearly is the most important thing here we know penny prior to becoming memphis coach clearly had i mean people should realize that memphis is one of the hottest high school basketball towns in america and so you know penny hardaway had deep roots in that town obviously and had access to that talent uh you know atlanta's not far behind when it comes to something like that and having someone who has a connection to the talent it's almost like you're eliminating the middleman there at that point in time and in a time in which hey basketball seems to have a lot of challenges it does seem like there are a lot of programs or at least more programs than used to be that would be more willing to be a little bit experimental with the coaching hire right and i think sherman would be that guy and i told him i've watched him uh the few years we've been together at pace i think three years now and uh, and he do a great job just just coaching the X's and O's, and he has the experience and the grassroots for being a high school coach here in the state of Georgia. And if not, uh, Coach White, at least give my guy Jonas Hayes a chance. Uh, would he get it? I don't know. Would I root for him? Yes, I would. Um, at least give him a chance. He he's been successful and a successful uh, assistant coach. Um, he understands the AU landscape as well. Being a Jordan native. So give him opportunity. I, I just think either we, we have to go uh, out the box or we got to go and pay some money and get and try to uh, steal a coach away from another program. That's, you know, I, I honestly, I just never seen our basketball team this bad, losing by this many points by every game, like 20 points every game. That was just, it hurts me that I couldn't even watch it anymore. And, and everyone knows, you don't know, I did play basketball yeah. at the University of Georgia, and basketball is my first love. And, uh, and I just want to see – I want to see that program uh, get back to uh, a respectable – you come in here, you're going to have to play, and we just don't have that right now for whatever reason. So I want to bring you on a different topic for a moment, and this is one that you can certainly speak expertly on. You know, there's been a lot of positive signs lately with Arik Gilbert, whether it be honored for his academic work once again or – the uh, photo we saw of him going back to January, I think we talked about that at the time, where he's you know all smiles and enjoying the national championship celebration. Some video has come out of him working there with you, and like we always talk about the bubble work. You see the bubble work here with a, a Reed Gilbert, at least for those watching on video right now. Um, you know, Terrence, what can you tell us about how things are going with uh, Arik Gilbert right now as he goes on a journey that seemingly has him heading back in the direction of playing football again? What can you tell us about that right now? Right now, he's just trying to, you know, come back to some type of normalcy. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people was wondering 
what was going on with him and, and Coach uh, Coach Mark. And I said repeatedly, this is a personal issue, and I just pray for the young man. And he's still, you know, trying to get back to being the Arik Gilbert that we love. Uh, he's doing some great things right now academically. I think he's been an academic student of the week twice so far. Uh, and right now, I mean, he's trying to get himself back into football shape. You know, he hasn't really played football in a year and, and some months. Uh, so he, he has to uh, reshape his body. He has to get his conditioning back up. Uh, so it's going to take a little time. And I just want people to really kind of calm down the expectation. Let the young man work through spring and the fall. And uh, skill-wise, he's still there. If you saw the video this past week, um, he's back in, you know, he's on spring break right now. You yeah. just see him working out. He's just continuously working out, trying to get back into uh, – football shape, football condition. It's going to take a little while for him. Being off, not having any kind of nutritional plan, no kind of weight training plan. He's just trying to get his, his mental capacity back strong. So uh, he's just trying to get back into football shape, trying to get back to being Eric. And the thing that I tweeted out the other day, he's smiling and he's happy right now. So we're just trying to keep him in a state of a happy mind and happy place and being around good people is the way to start. Terrence, will Arik participate in Georgia spring practice? As far as I know, he will. Uh, I haven't been told anything. Uh, he hasn't told me that he uh, will not. So uh, I don't know for certain, but he has not told me that he wouldn't be able to participate in spring drills. I'm assuming he will. Uh, until someone tells me he won't, then I, will think, I wouldn't think otherwise. It's very interesting to consider, and you know, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, that on the one hand, I'm like you, I want to temper expectations here out of respect for the journey that he's on, because we all know how challenging it, it is when you have something in your life that maybe makes you think you need to step away from football for a while, that the last thing I want to do on this show is try to rush him back ahead of whatever it is that, that he thinks the most appropriate timeline is. And you know, on the other hand, if you just want to keep it about football for a moment, I mean, Terrence, and, and I know you know this, uh, you know this far better than I do, but you want to go back to his time at Marietta High School. This is as cool a prospect as I can remember seeing. I mean, this was a very polished route runner, pass catcher. You know, he's always been the kind of talent that defies position. You know, this notion now that he's receiver and not tied in, which I think has been his desire. The truth is, is he was always a receiver big enough to be a tight end or a tight end, you know, quick enough, athletic enough to be a wide receiver. He's kind of always been this positionless figure as it is. And, you know, the idea that he could be back going through spring practice, could be back playing again. I got to tell you, for a lot of UGA fans, that's really exciting because a lot of us remember how good he looked the last time we saw him playing football. Exactly. I mean, he's a talent now. I, I, I love Brock Bowers and, um, uh, I think Brock is already seems to be the best tight end in Georgia history. Uh, I mean, if you if, if Eric and and uh, can get his body right, um, he he can have a he can have the same type of impact. Would he have beat my record for touchdowns? I'm not going to put that on it, but you can have two players that are 240 pounds that can split out wide, run routes, and catch a uh, a hook route like Bowers did against Tech and be able to take it to the house. So you have two players that are very similar uh, in playing styles. And, and we know coming out of high school, we have never seen a, a player like Eric. And uh, if he really gets his, his mind and his body right to really focus on football, focus on academically, Eric can be something special. And you can have two guys that are 
in my mind, because I don't consider Brock a tight end. He's a positionless player as well. I mean, yeah. you haven't seen a tight end run a jet sweep or you put him out like Brock is special. And I think Eric could be in the same mold now. But it also comes down to mindset. You know, Eric really has to continue to fight uh, every day. He needs to continue to keep his grades up. He has to continue to keep his body right. He has to continue to eat right uh, to get back to the player that we know. And uh, and if he does, then Georgia's going to have two guys that are very positionless football players. I joked about this the other day that, by my count, Gilbert's gotten at least two academic awards, which means he's already a better student than I ever was, Terrence. <laughs> right. I mean, me as well. I mean, I could throw a picture on my helmet with Coach Rick and I didn't get any black bones, but I did graduate. <laughs> but I did graduate. So he's, he's, he's already done more than me as well. So he's, he's headed in the right direction. <laughs> for people who don't realize in the old days, the white bones were for football accomplishments and the black bones in the back of the helmet for academic accomplishments. That's very funny. Uh, good stuff from Terrence there. Uh, it's our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards right now. And, of course, if you want to be your own version of an insider, you can become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. You can become an expert on everything they have on the menu and all the great cocktails. And you can get some great savings for yourself in the process. In fact, it's very easy to sign up for this. Just go to marlowstavern.com. And when you do sign up to be a Marlowe's Tavern Insider, you're going to get $10 off of $30 just for doing that. And then after that, here's how it works. When you're in the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club, every time you dine in Marlowe's and spend at least $15 on food or beverage, that becomes a qualified visit. Now, when you get four of those qualified visits, you're going to get a complimentary entree up to $20 to be used as your uh, on your next visit. You can receive or redeem your free entree at any of the taverns, including the one right there in your neighborhood. And you get special offers for your birthday there as well. This is really cool stuff. There's no cost to sign up for this. It's just a cool perk for enjoying the great chef-inspired food and craft cocktails that Marlowe's Tavern's famous for. So go to marlowstavern.com for a lot more on that. That is marlowstavern.com. So, Terrence, let me finish with this topic, if you don't mind. There's been a lot said about the NFL scouting combine here on this show, as you might imagine, because the UGA guys just did so well and seemed to just demonstrate so many cool things about themselves in that process. I know you love the game and you love watching these guys go get paid what did you think of what you saw from Indianapolis this past week? I saw that all the guys that uh, and all the Georgia fans, I tweeted this, so I'm going to just have a little fun with it. Just raise your hand if who said Trey Scott should have been fired oh, a long yeah. time ago or he's he the weakest link. Let's go ahead and raise your hands. Let's just go ahead and just say, eat a little cow. Just go in and say it was a little premature. He was a young coach trying to get in the game, and he missed on a couple five-stars. But I say he just made two three-stars a lot of money uh, with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Let's just say, let's everyone to just say, I, I was one of those Georgia fans and I would not question another Georgia coach ever again. Just a little, little funny game to that. But those guys went in and did what we've seen them do on the football field all the time. And I, I say this a lot, CA, is we get really uh, enamored with the 40-yard dash and all these uh, jumping drills, but does it translate onto the field? And every one of these guys that performed well, it translated on the field. And I'm happy just to see that the scouts get confirmation that these guys are some explosive big football players. And I can, and I can tell you this, uh, coming from uh, Coach Smart himself, we had a conversation about Trayvon Walker, and he told me that Trayvon Walker was the best athlete he's ever coached. Yeah. He's ever coached. And I, I watched Trayvon in high school play basketball, and this year, he went and now just see 
where he's gonna be a t- possibly a top five pick, and you know might have four or five first rounders. So Trey Scott, I uh, appreciate everything he's done. He's been a good coach, and I tell this all the time. I saw this out of Coach Scott when I first met him and first saw him coach. Just the passion, the energy, and the love that he has for his players. I knew this was gonna happen, and I just was sitting back laughing at people who say inspired Trey Scott because he's a dang good football coach. Terrence, you're 100% right, and it's great stuff. Thanks for being here as part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Also, we talked before about the work you're doing with Reed Gilbert, and if folks want their own son to get the same kind of training, same kind of ability to get coached up by you, that's out there right now as well with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Remind folks how they can get in touch with you about that. Oh, I will be in a bubble tonight from 630 to 730. You can reach me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Yeah, last week was a little bit of a, uh, what, false start, right? We had all that warm weather, all that sunshine. You thought you were going to be back out there on the grass fields again, uh, but everybody's kind of back indoors again right now because the weather this week has kind of been a reminder that we're not quite to spring as of yet, right? Right. That's why I do uh, rent this indoor facility because rain, sleet, and snow, we're going to be in there getting the work in. I love to hear it, Terrence. Great stuff. We will look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Always love having Terrence Edwards in the program and very interesting to hear. Let me take just a few seconds to kind of highlight this. Direct question to Terrence. Will Arik Gilbert participate in spring practice? Edwards' answer there on that as far as I know. That's not an outright confirmation. It'd be one thing if Arik Gilbert had told him, yes, I'm definitely doing it. That's a different kind of answer, but he also didn't say he's definitely not. So, you know, I think that what we said on the show yesterday, I think is pretty well validated by everything you heard from Terrence Thayer, who's in regular contact with Reed Gilbert and, you know, talking to him on a regular basis, that there's reason for optimism. The way in which Georgia has highlighted Gilbert for his academic work, the fact that we're seeing him working to, as, Gil, as, uh, as Terrence said, get back into football shape there. There's reason for optimism. And the idea that you might see him on G-Day, oh boy, that gets pretty fun to think about. But we're going to kind of like pump the brakes on getting too crazy about all of this because obviously whatever Gilbert has dealt with has been significant enough that it's taken him off the football field before. So we don't want to rush him back. We want to continue to pray for his well-being. And we do believe, and I don't make any apologize for this, apologies for this. We do believe that those that have a chance to play football will be better for playing football. This is this is the kind of thing that if you've got that kind of talent, you get that opp- opportunity. Football becomes the springboard to make you into the best version of yourself. So, so we want guys who can play football to get a chance to do so. In Gilbert's case, that's maybe the direction that he's moving back in. But if we get to see him on G Day, that could be a uh, awful lot of fun. All right, we'll go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I remind you, a little bit of time left, but the time is limited. We're starting to have a lot more conversations behind the scenes about this. Just getting ready for the very first ever chance to cruise with Dog Nation. Now, I was just on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I was on Harmony of the Seas. We're about to be on Independence of the Seas. Late April, we're leaving out of Port Canaveral. I think it's April 25th. Uh, we're going to Nassau. We're going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. We're on board Independence of the Seas. A ship, by the way, that I have not been on yet, but has some really cool things. Like Here's the thing you got to understand. Is that, I've told you before that Perfect Day Coco Cay is an amazing port to visit. It's a private island owned exclusively by Royal Caribbean, exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So you got the thrill side, you got the chill side, and it really is as good as anything. I mean, and 
I, I love the thing that when you and you have to wake up pretty early to see the the ship come into to perfect day, but when you're sailing in and like the island starts off way out in the horizon, just in the distance, very small. But as the ship sails closer, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you start seeing some of the things that makes Perfect Day Coco Cay famous. I'm talking about like the big water slides. There's a water park. There's a thrill side of the island. It's a big water park, a tallest water slide in North America. And as you get closer, you start seeing all this kind of stuff, fun things for the kids to do and all, all kinds of stuff like that. You just get closer and closer and you see all this you know, really cool stuff going on. And it just gets you so excited because it's like in the middle of the ocean. And it's it's almost like a, I don't know, kind of like an oasis or something. It really does kind of look like that because it's nothing but ocean as far as the eye can see, except for Perfect Day Coco Cay. And a lot of you are going to get a chance to experience that with us coming up. But it's also the stuff happening on board the ship there as well, especially restaurants, cool bars, the lime and coconut right there next to um the uh the, the pool decks and like on the ship that i was in there was a bionic bar like a robot arm that makes your drinks for you and there's a uh, just all kinds of stuff rising tide bar on harmony of the seas which is a bar kind of on one level that as you're getting your drink and enjoying your beverage it kind of raises you up you go to another level on the ship it's it, so many cool clever things on board these Royal Caribbean cruise ships, whether it be Harmony of the Seas, I was just on uh, for a seven-night sailing, or Independence of the Seas, we're going to be on coming up for a four-night sailing. So limited space, get to dognation.com. You can also go to dognationcruise.com for this, but very simple, just go to dognation.com. Right there at the top of the page, there's a link. Click into it and be a part of all of that with us. All right, let us do a couple of things here. Cruise are in the SEC, and one of these is going to involve a team that's about to be in the sec at least eventually let me start with this espn's got its spring storylines for way too early top 25 teams we'll probably highlight the georgia part of this here coming up pretty soon but a couple of things i want to note about some of the other sec teams competition for georgia big question for alabama right now what happens at wide receiver jameson williams uh, john mechie gone the next group there obviously jermaine burton a big part of that so so we'll see how this wide receiver room develops for alabama and as we said before, and I don't shy away from saying this, off the top of the show, you heard a lot about how a team-first attitude benefited Georgia towards winning a national championship. We have heard Nick Saban, in his own words, say the Alabama wide receiver room did not have that. Does that change in 2022, or does the pursuit of individual glory continue to to kind of hang over the Alabama program? I think that's worth watching. Other spring storylines, uh, Texas A&M, what's happening at quarterback here? Haynes King is back healthy after being injured a year ago. I would give him some chance to win that starting quarterback job. Uh, how does that compare, though, with Max Johnson, who uh, transfers into the program, most recently at LSU? Pretty fun quarterback battle going on there at Texas A&M. Obviously, a lot of pressure on the Aggies here this year. And the one thing they have not had much of is uh quarterback but at the bottom of the top 25 you see more sec teams kind of popping in here uh when you think about what's going to happen at arkansas uh Traylon burke's no longer there that's a wide receiver on his way to the nfl great player for the hogs this past season now it's another name that georgia fans are familiar with Jaden hazelwood stepping in can hazelwood coming back off of injury finally be the player we thought he could be coming back out of high school uh obviously when you start thinking about kentucky you're looking at a new look offensive coordinator uh same thing for ole miss that's lost jeff levy lost matt corral there's a lot of new faces for them offensively hudson card at quarterback uh, zach evans at running back is this plug and play for lane kiffin with his offensive system we'll see that and don't forget espn has also got south carolina it's way too early top 25 there as well and they're looking to do some new things offensively i told you before 
I do expect Spencer Rattler to have a very big year for the Gamecocks. Said that plenty. And you think about a top 25 battle, at least the way we view it right now, Carolina on the road at Arkansas the week before it plays George in September. I'm kind of glad to have George and South Carolina back in September, even though it'll be hot when the game is played because it always is in Columbia that time of year. But for the Georgia fan who wonders, hey, where's the big game that pops up that we don't currently expect, the way that Arkansas turned out to be a year ago, I think the South Carolina game could end up being that this year. Gamecocks will not be favored on the road at Arkansas, but it is a game they could win, especially with Spencer Rattler at quarterback. So what if South Carolina in September wins at Arkansas with Georgia coming to Williams-Brice Stadium the following week? That's the kind of game that could turn out to be a pretty big deal and could be hyped. Remember, when Georgia played in Columbia in 2018, that was a battle of top 25 teams. Now, Georgia blew out South Carolina, won easily, but it was still a pretty hyped game going into it. We may see a little hype, maybe even more than a little hype, for Georgia and South Carolina early in the 2022 season if South Carolina could win at Arkansas. Just keep that in mind. Interesting story here coming from Casey Thompson, quarterback transfer from Texas to uh, Nebraska. And Thompson says something kind of interesting about NIL here. Uh, He says that at Nebraska, he actually thinks the opportunities for name, image, likeness payments are better than they were at Texas. He says in part because Lincoln is, as he describes it, more close-knit than exists there at Austin. Now, I point this out because we've heard that Texas supposedly has more NIL money they know what to do with, but apparently Casey Thompson says, I didn't see any of that. Now, maybe maybe he just wasn't good enough to get those payments but it's a little bit of a punctured hole in the notion that texas is just swimming in nil money uh casey thompson says he's seen more in nebraska in fact let me read you a quote here from 24 7 sports on this particular topic Uh, he says nebraska is probably hands down one of the best programs in the country for name image likeness opportunities he says the support and the fan base here i would say there's nothing really that compares this i'm kind of even surprised a little bit blown away about how much football is a big deal around here but it's been great it's been fun i'm kind of at the point now where i'm having to like tone down nil opportunities just so i can focus on football so i don't know if that's exaggerated or not but interesting to hear you know the idea that the texas longhorns are going to dominate the sport because of nil a guy who played on the team says, I didn't see that to be true. So uh, I think that's maybe kind of interesting. And we'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, let me speak very candidly for a moment here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by uh, Meriwether and Tharp. A lot of you noticed, and I even mentioned this yesterday when Drew Brutler was on the show. Drew's obviously deeply entrenched in the world of name, image, likeness on behalf of the players trying to acquire opportunities for them. I told him, I've told many of you many times. I am just a little skeptical of some of the NIL stuff that's out there. And when there is NIL fake news or when there is NIL, at the very least, exaggerations, me asking pointed questions about that, me pointing out how unsubstantiated some of these claims are, I just think there's, I, I just think that's part of my job right now. Now, you may be wondering, well, B.A., why do you care? Like, like, what is all of this about for you? And I don't mind telling you. That when I have a bias or when I have some sort of agenda, I try to lay it out there for you to see for yourself so you can make your own informed decision about what you think. I'm not trying to coerce you into thinking anything. I simply do this show as a way of telling you what I think, and hopefully we can start a conversation about what we all think. That's my only goal in all of this. And here is my concern specifically when it comes to name, image, likeness. That the way in which this era has been rushed onto the stage here in college sports is simply a precursor for even more radical change 
going on in the future. And I think this is going to happen one of two ways. Either the powers that kind of want more radical change are going to take the exaggerated claims that currently exist in relationship to so-and-so school is spending $30 million, to so-and-so players getting a million dollars, to all of these totally unsubstantiated claims that I suspect are completely exaggerated. And that information, those reports are going to be used to say, hey, the sport is already so crazy. Why not make it a little crazier? Like that's the kind of thing I think we're on the verge of hearing. Or if it's not that, it's this. Hey, the NIL thing was supposed to work. The NIL thing was supposed to kind of make things a little bit more fair for the players, give them a bigger slice of the pie. Now it's not working out the way that we thought it was. So we got to make a more radical change so we can do what NIL was supposed to do. That's the other thing I think might happen here. And I just think it's really important as somebody who thinks that the college system works. It works for the college towns, the college players, the the colleges themselves, or you want to call them universities. It works. The, the system just works. It wouldn't have lasted more than 100 years if it wasn't working for the majority of people. And I don't want to see it torn down. I just don't. And if that makes me the old man sitting on the porch, then so be it. I am happy to be that guy to say, can we slow some of this down? Because ultimately, all of this is just maybe kind of a precursor for something else. And this is the kind of thing that Drew Butler did touch on briefly when he was on the show yesterday. So let me give you a couple of seconds of this and then a follow-up that I think cements uh, 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 Drew's point even more. This is from yesterday. Look at should student-athletes be employees. I mean, there is so much to uh, unpack there. If they were to become employees, I mean, I have my own thoughts about that. That will be the end of college athletics as we know it. There will be so many non-revenue sports that have to be canceled. Kids' scholarships might have to get taxed. You know, would they be – I mean, it is just – there's so much. I think college sports is heading in that direction, B.A. Yeah. Uh, but we need to start with general guidelines and guardrails that are not restrictive but that allow for people to play within the line. So important difference to differentiate here for a moment, that making – an athlete, getting an athlete paid does not make him an employee. There's been a lot of time in my life where I have been paid for work by a company of which I was not an employee for. A lot of you are kind of the same way there on that. If you've ever driven one of these rideshare services or something like that, you're getting paid, but you're not an employee, at least not in most states. California, a, a little bit different. And maybe that's something to examine here in terms of the folks who've been turned into employees. How happy were they about that? But that's probably a different topic for a different day. The point is getting paid doesn't make you an employee that receiving an NIL uh, payment is different than what Drew Butler's describing there. And Drew says, hey, listen, I'm all for the NIL world. I'm all for that kind of stuff. But it does concern me if in the future we're having a different conversation where now we're turning these players into employees. All of a sudden now they're unionizing, which is always the next step in, in that process for those who are pushing it. And as Drew says, hey, that could be an end to college football as or college sports as we know it. That that you know non-revenue sports who simply don't have the money, programs just do uh, schools and athletic departments just do away with the program. And I think there are some football programs that have a hard time surviving if that was the case. I think that the notion of the eighty-five man roster on the basis of scholarship players. I think the idea of that number coming down for the programs that decide to keep a program, I 
think that's a strong possibility there as well. After all, the NFL makes do with a 53-man roster. Could college football reduce its roster size if programs were on the hook for paying more to players? Not not the Georgias, the Texas, the uh, Notre Dames, but the smaller programs that don't have quite as much money. You know, could they survive with the same number of players? Can they survive at all? I think those are all really fair questions to ask. And Drew is not speaking fatally or, uh, you know, exaggeratively when he says that on our program yesterday. Let me give you Dennis Dodd here, CBSSports.com. Dennis has been doing a lot of reporting lately, but the future of college football playoff expansion, the fact that that's been greatly slowed down for now. And a lot of you follow that topic, but in a wide-ranging story that uh, that Dennis wrote at CBSSports.com this week in discussing why the playoff expansion didn't occur and what may be happening next, Dennis also dropped another blurb in there about a seemingly unrelated topic, but when you think about long-range timelines for college athletics, you at least have to consider this. Let me show you this on the screen here. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, says that when the current college football playoff contract expires, listen to this. This is a very you know, strongly worded statement. There is a growing likelihood that players will either be directly compensated for their labor or at least have the power to collectively bargain. That alone could reshape the collegiate model. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. Now, I am of the belief, I've said this before, that making athletes into employees does not necessarily make their life better. In fact, I suspect it makes their life worse. And I'd be happy to tell you all the reasons why, but on a show like this, we don't quite have time to do that. It's also worth pointing out that the people who are pushing for this employment status for athletes, they haven't exactly articulated how it's going to make things better for the athletes who would be, in this case, unionized. But can I see that quote on the screen one more time? The ultimate point that I want to make here is, is that I don't want to reshape the collegiate model. Maybe everybody in the world does. Maybe everybody but me wants to. I just simply don't want to do that. I simply think that the collegiate models actually working better than sometimes social media would lead you to believe that it is. So, so keep this in mind that, that we are in a time now when things have changed, but the kind of changes we've seen in the recent year could be very small in comparison to what could be on the horizon. And smart people are seemingly suggesting that those changes could be changes for the worse. On a much happier subject to close things out here for a moment, let's do the golden shoe. We like to have some fun here to say goodbye on the program. And so I got this the other day. Uh, Jeff Anderson shared and said, uh, LOL, uh, Dog Nature Daily, you got to give this man a golden shoe. It's Chris McCall here who's got the National Champions 2021. He says, I got this from my brother, so I'm guessing it was on Facebook, but I hadn't seen it before, so I thought it was funny. So what we have here is like third-hand sharing. Uh, Chris McCall got this from Facebook. Jeff Anderson then shared it with me. Now I'm sharing with all of you. And I'll admit to not being a great Beatles historian. I just know this is a famous uh, – is this Abbey Road? Is this what this album is? I honestly don't – or uh, Sgt. Pepper's. I don't know what album this is, but I know it's a famous Beatles album with the famous photo. Uh, and you've got Ringo Starr replaced by Keeley Ringo catching the interception, the national championship logo. This is very good, even though if I'm embarrassing myself with my lack of Beatles knowledge. So great job by Chris McCall. Great job of whoever made it, and thanks to Jeff Anderson for sharing with us. That's our golden shoe for today. Gator, hater, updater, 4,809 days since Florida's won a national championship. Tough to be a Gator these days. 233 days from now, it's going to be tough to be a Gator again. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Look forward to speaking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, we'll take your comments here. Facebook, or not Facebook, we mostly do these on dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily, but you get the point nonetheless, and I always appreciate your feedback on this. I do want to share one thing that some folks have shared with me on Twitter. 
I guess there's like a New York Jets scout who supposedly had some critical things to say about Jordan Davis and not convinced that he'll succeed at the NFL level. And look, here's the thing. Obviously, for any prospect drafted in the first round, there's a chance they'll fail. In fact, the fail rate's actually pretty high for the most part. I mean, you know, the the success rate for these high draft picks is about the same as it is for like these elite recruits. You know, about half the time they succeed, about half the time they don't. And, you know, ultimately that's actually probably higher than you realize. In other words, like the idea that, I mean, it's hard. The NFL's hard. Major college football, the SEC level, that's really hard. The notion that anybody has a 50% chance of succeeding is actually a compliment. It's not a criticism. And Jordan Davis moving on the NFL be the same way of that. But there's a chance that it doesn't work out for him. There's a chance it doesn't work out for anybody. I mean, we've seen plenty of can't-miss prospects who unfortunately did. But here's, I think, my larger point about this and kind of my response to people who've shared this with me. This is one of the reasons why I'll never be much more than a casual NFL draft fan. You know, I like to watch the draft. I like to follow the stuff just because I like football, and it's the football conversation that's happening right now. But I'll never be as big a draft nick as some people are for the simple reason that the NFL attention economy just seems to reward negativity about draft prospects. And you see the same thing in all walks of life. Like if you ever watch like say CNBC or Bloomberg or whatever else, you know, it's always an easy path to making yourself look smart to predict bad news for the economy on the rise. And, and, you know, people have a tendency to sometimes overstate the potential for bad things just because it gives them a chance to stand out in the event that they might be right. And in the NFL draft, you know, it just seems like we reward that kind of pessimism too much because, you know, you're about to take somebody in the first round, and yet all you hear in the days leading up to the draft is a lot of negativity about why that player shouldn't be drafted where he's going to be taken. And to make matters worse, you have these uh, intentional leaks from other teams that trash players. I'm not saying this what this is for Jordan Davis. This is probably just, you know, some loudmouth you know, spewing an opinion. But you do have this situation where teams leak bad news leak unfavorable opinion and the hope of maybe convincing a team not to draft a guy so that that guy will fall to them and frankly i've always had a little bit of a problem with the nfl media that just acts as a stenographer for source within a team uh in other words if the if the source within the team says that i'm going to quote it and run with it because i want to keep my relationship strong with this source within the team and what ends up happening is, is, and judge this for yourself as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft, like a huge number, huge amount of the coverage is just negative. Like, you know, we've gone from celebrating these players as good football players to now talking about everything that's wrong with them. And I don't know. I just find that to be – distasteful is probably too strong of a word, but it's just not the kind of football conversation I like. You know, talking – even for guys that didn't play for my team, just – good football players in general do we have to spend so much time talking about what's bad about them right before they become multi-millionaires for how good they are at football there is just some part of that conversation that seems incongruent and you better believe that you're going to hear more about that from the georgia guys because the georgia guys did perform so well at the combine that all of a sudden now there will be a motivation to be contrarian on this well i know everybody's talking about so and so former georgia player but let me tell you why I don't really like him all that much. Why don't you keep that opinion to yourself? But 
these NFL draft guys never seem to. Anyway, thanks for being here on the podcast. Cool down today. Check out RS Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Showing up on time, doing the work that's promised for the price is promised, including getting your air conditioning unit or your heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. They'll do it for you. Just 99 bucks. So find them online, rsandrews.com, for more on that. And we will see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.